Hey everyone, welcome to Black, Married, and in the Military, a podcast that explores unique experiences, challenges, and even triumphs of military life. I'm Teresa Alexis, known as the Military Bride Strategist, and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Leslie Cristea, who is the founder of Making Marriage Matter, LLC, a coaching and training business that helps individuals become an instrument of restoration for relationships that may seem beyond repair through education, communication, and faith. Leslie's married clients have gone through separated to inseparable. She gives all credit to God who restores while using her as an instrument. She's also passionate about educating others on how to improve communication skills to enhance personal and professional relationships at home and in the workplace. She holds a psychology degree from Old Dominion University, a master's degree from St. Leo University, and currently resides in Virginia with the love of her life and husband, Adrian. Her two children are her heart, so and the reason why she is making marriage matter. So y'all help me welcome Leslie, who's going to talk to us about how it does not take to change a relationship and how you can communicate effectively. So go ahead, Leslie. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm actually honored to be here. I love talking about relationships and you said it, it does not take two to change. And so I love to talk about that. I am Leslie Christia, a relationship restoration and communication coach. I'm also a military veteran and I'm also an active duty spouse. Awesome. Awesome. What branch? Go ahead for us. Okay. Cool. <laughs> So that's cool. So we like kind of close, you know, we were Marines and y'all were Navy. That's right. It's funny. We probably were stationed together somewhere and just didn't know it. <laughs> we might have been. You just never know. Wherever there's Marines, there's Navy. Right. So go ahead and tell us first a little bit about your marriage story and how you and your spouse met. Okay. Well, funny story is the fact that my husband and I met in my house. <laughs> we actually met for the first time in my dining room. Um, wow. Someone was introducing us and that's how we met. We were both in the military um, and it was a military friend, which was also his coworker that had introduced us. And we just kind of dated for a while and I was newly separated at the time. So we didn't, you know, get too serious. And then we actually split apart for a couple of a couple of years. And then we ended up getting back together. And we took things very slowly because then I ended up finally divorced. And in my first marriage, I learned what not to do. <laughs> and in my second marriage, it was hmm, it was about three years after we met, we became in a committed relationship. It wasn't until three years after that, that we even got engaged. And then it was two years after that, that we got married. So I took it nice and slow the second go around. And still one year later, everything turned upside down, even though I married who I called my knight in shining armor. Wow. That's, that's amazing and understandable, you know, because so many times we see people who aren't fully healed and restored from previous relationships, just jump into another one and then find out that the same problem kind of followed them 
because they didn't get the healing they needed first. So that's good. So actually, I feel like you could just segue on into (laughs) your topic based off of that. Yes. So one of the things I was very, very grateful about was the fact that um, I didn't repeat the cycle and the cycle meaning that my first marriage was very toxic and I was a victim of domestic abuse. And statistically, what would happen is people would end up going into another relationship that is also abusive. And I did not do that. But what I did realize was I really had no idea how to be married. And neither did my husband. And when you think about it, most people don't. So you see, when I was in the Navy, I was actually a aviation mechanic. And what I tell people is, if you think about what would happen if I never went to boot camp, I never went to ongoing school to learn my profession, and I just checked into the Navy, and then all of a sudden a pilot would say, hey, sailor, go fix that aircraft real quick go rig those flight controls. I need to go fly. And I never had any training. Um, That would be a a tragedy, right? Um, Right. That doesn't happen. But when it comes to marriage or even parenting, the very first day on the job, you're expected to be an expert. We don't get training and education in that. And so that's why I say, you know, we never really learned how to be married. At the same time, things were happening in my marriage. I was retiring from the military. So I was also transitioning there. Um, And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do career-wise. I was doing all the things. I got my real estate license. I was getting an MBA. I already had a psychology degree and I was just doing all kinds of things. And finally, I just took a step back and I slowed down and I said, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? And when I slowed down and I allowed him to take over and lead me in the direction that he wanted me to go. I ended up landing a job back on base (laughs) where I trained active duty military and spouses in numerous leadership and life skills topics. And out of all of them, approximately 26 of them, the one they put me in charge of was building healthy relationships. Wow. Definitely, God. It's so amazing how God will kind of set us up in a way where nothing is wasted. Not our education, not our experiences, not our pain, you know, and just you sharing that is a testament to how he does that. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned education. As a matter of fact, none of what I do was my plan, including the educational route, because my plan was nursing. I literally have two classes shy of a BSN. And I had two minors, psychology and exercise science. And without that long story, psychology ended up being my major. And then that was the degree that helped me land that job. And they put me in charge of um, building healthy relationships program, as well as domestic violence prevention for the leaders of the commands on base. So everything just came back around full circle. And then when I was going through what I was going through in my own marriage, I was training, I was learning my job, I was training others, 
but I also became my own student. And I applied everything that I would help others to my own situation. And then I also brought in some other things that I've learned from the numerous amount of books that I was reading, plus the word, plus my mentorship from my pastor's wife. And I took all those things together because during that time, my husband no longer wanted to work on it. He was done. And what I know is that a lot of people, when their marriage is falling apart and one person is like caught off guard and they're not the one that wants to end it, they spin their wheels in fix it mode and they do things that don't tend to work and can actually do more harm than good. And when they're exhausted with it all, they go to the other extreme end and they're like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do. I've tried everything. And then they quit. Well, it's not beyond repair until you quit. And so I help people stand still in the middle. Don't go from left to right, stand still in the middle. And I, I help people understand that even when the other person has checked out, you alone can change the dynamics of a relationship. It only takes the humility of one to turn a relationship around. That is so good and so accurate. I can say just from my personal experience in my marriage, because y'all know all marriages go through something. They go through seasons and hardships. That's all marriages. No one is exempt. Let me just make that clear. So just in my own marriage, those seasons where it's just really, really hard and it's like, okay, I can't do this. You know, I don't know what, honestly, my husband be doing or praying, but (laughs) I know I just be like, this is what I want to do in my flesh, obviously, because this just too much, Mm -hmm. but it's those times when God tells me to stand still and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't be wanting to be obedient because it's like, nah, I want to be over here doing this, this thing because I got too much yep. to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you stand still, it will help you to focus and become aligned just on, on God's word and, you know, the promises he has told you, you know, because sometimes you need to be reminded. When yes. stuff look like there's no, no like light at the end of the tunnel, you have to be reminded of the promises God has said to you. It don't matter if your spouse acting crazy. It don't matter if you the one acting crazy. Sometimes you just simply have to be still, as you said, to hear God clearly. And I, and I love that. And I think that's, that's one thing that needs to be taught more because I feel like a lot of couples wait for their spouse to correct themselves before they do what they know is right or what they know can save their marriage. Absolutely. And that's the problem right there. I have a saying that says, the more you try to force someone to open their eyes and see what it is that you want them to see, they're more likely to look in the opposite direction. So the more you try to convince somebody else what they need to do, or the more you focus on the other person and what they are or are not doing, it's very counterproductive because then they become very defensive. And then defensive means they're defending their behavior, the behavior that you're complaining about. And now you're even more upset because to you, they're, you're coming up, they're coming up with excuses about what you're complaining. And then it's just back and forth and back and forth. And then so if you just stop 
and then know how to focus on the one thing you do have control over and that's you. For every action, there's a reaction. Change the action and watch the reaction change. Your yeah. life will not change until you change. Right. I always say it starts with you and it starts with your mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always look at the natural thing and what's going on there. Because if you do, you'll begin to focus on that more. Mm-hmm. And that's all you will see, no matter what, no matter any good little gesture they're trying to do. The only thing you'll see is what you're focusing on. You, they can be doing something really great and trying to work through it. And mm-hmm. you'll be like, they're only doing this to get me caught back up in this loop because you're focusing on the negative thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens. It happens to all of us, you that's know, right. but it takes, I would say, a great amount of humility And I would say strength to be able to stand still and work on those things for yourself because it's not easy. And, you know, unless it's some type of super person out there who just wants to do (laughs) this all the time, you know, I've yet to meet that person. But, you know, you're probably not going to want to do it. But Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that like I don't I didn't really want to do the stuff at boot camp. But I also didn't want to flunk out and I wanted to be a Marine the first time through. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to suck this up and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to graduate. I'm not falling out. I'm not going back a week. I'm not doing that. I came here. I'm going to go through 13 weeks only and then I'm going to become a Marine because I was like, I ain't going back home. No, the only thing I got to do is go forward. So it's just like that. I ain't want to do all those stupid things we did because most of it was dumb. <laughs> but you know, I did it anyway, because I knew it was going to make me more mature and make me a better woman because I was 18. <laughs> you know, right, and right. I was like, I'm not about to go back to home and be doing high school type stuff still. Right. So it's one of those things where you have to just dig your heels in and say, you know what? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna stand still. I'm going to learn what I can do to heal myself, you know, help myself out and eventually help my marriage. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when someone else is checked out, there's, I mean, there's no convincing somebody else. And like you said before, we focus on, you know, what the other person is doing, but, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, it, you know, there's two sides. And even if you deeply feel that someone else does need to change or that something is, you know, out of line or anything like that, there's still reasons behind it. That's the hard pill to swallow, especially for women. Um, uh, You know, I honestly think that, I mean, I know, you know, it's, (laughs) relationships can be difficult for women, but I think that sometimes we get stuck in only seeing what women go through. And they're kind of gloss over the fact that men have a lot of pressure too. And there's, I always say there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. So I never excuse, you know, bad behavior, but if you want to change it, then you need to evaluate the possible reasons. And, you know, of course, communication is key. Um, And it's difficult, communication can be difficult in relationships anyway. But add someone who is checked out, it can even be more difficult. But it truly is key. And that is, I won't say step number one, because step number one is really, like you said before, mindset 
and working on you. Um, but then step the next thing is to really, really improve those communication skills because I can't tell you how many times or how often people habitually miscommunicate more often than not and don't even realize it. Right. You know, and just like you set out to say something really great and, you know, express your feelings in this great way. And then you realize that took a turn for the worse mm-hmm. <laughs> because sometimes it's like you talk to yourself in your head and so, and you'd be like mad having a whole argument and the <laughs> person like not even there. And then you like, I'm, I'm gonna tell them what I'm feeling. And then it's like, you know, you bring yourself back, you take a deep breath, but because you had this like conversation in your head by yourself or argument, mm-hmm. I would say, you get out there and you talking to your spouse and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like a full blown argument and you like, wait, how did we get here? It's because you didn't resolve that argument you had when they were not present. And so it came up because all those feelings and things were still there. And I know that sounds like really funny, but it like really happens. And so I've been a victim of that, but I've had to check myself. And, you know, it's not easy to check yourself. It's so easy to check someone else, but Mm -hmm. it's not always easy to check yourself. And I feel like when you're more willing to check yourself, it it forms a sense of maturity for one. And Mm -hmm. also, too, it helps you to be like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm just going to self-reflect. Like Mm -hmm. for my children, I have taught them from the beginning, self-reflection time. I know some people call it timeout. No, we're going to self-reflect. What what got you to here? You know, how how we get here? What could we have done better, you Mm -hmm. know, other than screaming and saying mean words? Mm -hmm. So what could we have done better? And that I think is beneficial to not just your marriage as a whole, but to you, because it'll teach you, It well, number one, it'll become habit once you do it more often. And then you won't be out here just blowing up on your spouse. You'd be like, you know what? How can I say this or communicate this better? Because communication is one of those things that it can be really, really great or it can be just straight up trash, <laughs> you know? And sometimes it falls in between. It's like, okay, that didn't quite go the way I planned, but okay, how can we work this out to do better? And don't be afraid to go to your spouse and say, you know what? Even if you, if, even if you were not wrong, it's okay to be the first one to apologize and, and reconcile. I ain't gonna lie. I get tired of being the first one, (laughs) but but I have to think about, okay, do I, do I just really want to walk around here every day, all day, not talking to my spouse? Right. That's miserable. If I'm going to be in here, I want to talk to the people that's in here. It ain't just like, "Mm -hmm, Hey, yeah, whatever. Or I love you. Yeah. Okay. No, we ain't trying to do that. That's not, that's not creating longevity in your marriage. That's not beneficial. That's not helping at all. So you have to, I always say this, swallow your pride. And I know that's not easy for military people because we're taught to have pride and what we do and all these things. But sometimes we kind of get that out of balance. It, it don't really work in a marriage when you're just being prideful. I'm not saying, I'm sorry, I'm big, I'm strong, I'm a Marine, I'm a sailor, I'm an airman or woman or whatever. You know, you have to swallow your pride and tell your spouse you're sorry reconcile with your spouse. It's it's not easy. And sometimes it sucks, but you have to be willing to do that, especially if those tables were turned. What would you want your spouse to do? 
You know, what would you want your spouse to do? So I want you to talk a little bit more about just in certain situations, like, or I would say, give an example of what it can look like for just one spouse taking the marriage by the reins to make it work and grow to the next level. Yes, yes. So <laughs> my, my, my company, Making Marriage Matter, um, is under the premise that, you know, when something truly matters, you make it happen. So the first thing is making the choice because most of my clients um, are on the verge of divorce and they literally go from separated to inseparable. But if they're on the verge of divorce, I ask the person, first, it starts with a decision. Do you want to fight for your marriage? Yes or no? Because I'm not here to tell anybody what to do. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I don't say that there's never a reason for divorce. I am divorced, right? Domestic violence, I'm sure many would agree might be a reason for divorce, but um, divorce doesn't fix what two people need to fix within themselves that would ultimately fix the relationship. And so you only having control of you, the first thing I say is make that decision. And if the answer is yes, usually what, the, it fo- what they follow with is a but. Yes, but <laughs> yes, but he don't want to, but he won't go to counseling, but she won't. And I was like, I didn't ask about them. I'm asking about you. What is it that you want? And if you say, yes, this is what you want. You want to fight for it. Then that step one is to make the decision. The other one is to focus on what you have control over. And that is you. So let's stop focusing on what that person is or is not doing. Cause how has that been working for you so far? Not so great. Right? So now the humility of one can change the dynamics of a relationship. So now we got to work on that. But making marriage matter is also helping individuals become an instrument of restoration for a relationship they think is beyond repair through these three things, education, communication, and faith. So education, because back to what I was saying before, there's no prerequisite to be married. Right. But it's we say it takes work. If it takes work, that means it's a job. Well, how do you do a job? No one ever trained you how to do. So education. And so what do you educate yourself on? I mean, there's a whole bunch of things out there. And it's so funny that no one wants to. I mean, let's be real. Some of y'all will go out there and spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to learn how to make some money, do a funnel, do, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you won't put in a dime to save your marriage. It's mind boggling to me, right? Or even waiting until there's a crisis and then you will. But it is a job. So let's train yourself on how to do that job more effectively. So we go over things like, and it's more than just the five love languages, y'all, right? So right. it's like, um, you know, and I've read so much literature on top of the word and on top of the training that I did for military. And I mean, I, my experience is, you know, like your military, I don't know if you've been on deployment, but you know how it is when when the, the, the couples are broken up and now there's reintegration training that we, I used to do that, actually fly out, meet the ship on its way back. So there's all sorts of different scenarios. So what pulled you apart? Let's, let's reflect on that. 
You know, was it that you were apart for so long and now you don't know how to be together? Um, like in that military scenario or reflecting on that. But I also talk about learning how to love because love is an action. And you both were brought up in two different households and behavior is learned. So you both learn two different things and now your expectations are off balance, right? So we talk about learning how to love. Um, Dr. Willard Harley's top 10 needs for relationships, stay healthy. And so education, education, education. And then the next one I said, communication. Yes, it is key. So the next thing I tell people to do is understand that number one, communication is not just talking. Number two, one of my favorite quotes, I forget who said it at the moment, but there's a quote that says, one of the biggest problems in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Because again, communication is not just talking. And right. then how to effectively communicate. There are habitual things that people do every single day that turns a dialogue upside down unintentionally. So when people say, oh, but I said it nicely and they still got upset and defensive, it's because it could be just one word that you're using. True. Love it. Yep, just one word. And then there's, and not even necessarily a trigger. We've learned how to communicate the wrong way. That's another thing we weren't taught to do because if we had communication in high school or college, it was actually speech, public speaking or debate, not effective interpersonal communication, right? right? And then being, and then the third thing, faith. So said education, communication and faith. Well, faith and understanding that by sight, it may look like a hot mess. That means nothing to the one who designed marriage himself, who all things are possible through. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And when you have faith and you have the mindset that you know this can work, you're going to do things differently. But if you don't have faith, then you're already setting yourself up for a negative outcome. Even if you try to practice a different method of communication, well, I already know what he's going to say. Why should I bother? Because this, you know what I mean? So you're setting this stuff up for the negative. Heard that, so many, that exact <laughs> phrase <laughs> I have heard so many times. Yes. And whew, it's like, so you going to not do what's right because of this? You know, and in those situations, I, I can understand clearly how it's hard to be optimistic, especially like when things are reoccurring throughout multiple years. <laughs> so I can totally get that. But as you said, it is making a decision to say, you know what, and, and jumping over and to say, have faith, say this can work. I ain't able to do it. But I know that God is able to do it. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard for those to lay things down and leave it there. And sometimes you think you've been and left it down. You then you realize like, oh, snap, I'd like <laughs> to write back up. Hey, friends, let me tell you about this amazing challenge I have that will help you cultivate resilience in your military marriage. Military marriages are unique in the fact that they are resilient and optimistic However, many married troops and their spouses have confessed that they don't feel resilient, nor do they feel optimistic. They've also confessed that they have no idea really how to get there. This three-day resilience challenge will help you 
cultivate resilience, but it'll also help you have more fun in your marriage and connect on a deeper level. So if you're interested in joining me and many other couples on this three-day challenge, go to bit.ly slash three R-M-M-C. That's bit, B-I-T dot slash the number three R-M-M-C to sign up for this challenge. But like I say with most things, that also is a process. You have to learn how to lay things at the feet of Jesus and leave it there. You know, I get that is like not like, oh, I just learned this today. I'm going to be perfect at this. No, it's one of those things that you have to continually do and, you know, make it become habit. Because if you don't, you just really, you're going to struggle with that all the time. And then you're going to look up and not only is your marriage going to be torn apart, but you're going to also be torn apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back to humility. Mm-hmm. It only takes the humility of one to change the dynamics of a relationship. Correct. And, and I know we're talking a lot about wives, but I want to, and I'll come back to wives, but I want to acknowledge that husbands too can do this not just wives. So we're not saying it's only going to be the wife that has to take this role and this lead in this way. I don't know about you, Leslie, but I I mostly work with wives because I would say, men, please don't get offended. Love y'all. But women are more willing to come to these things, you know, and be coached and sign up. You know, it's not really as much of a pride struggle with them. So I, not that I haven't worked with husbands, but I mainly mm-hmm. work with wives mm-hmm. for that reason. So, but husbands, you too, your wife done checked out. You, you ain't just got to give in. You too can get this coaching from myself or Leslie to be able to restore your marriage. And I, I want to come back to wives and say that we get distracted <laughs> a lot by what our spouse is not doing and what their struggle area is. And we tend to forget about ours most times. And be like, well, he ain't doing this, he ain't doing that, and he may not be doing those things. But Mm -hmm. I like what you said at the beginning, how it just takes one. Wives are given an authority just like husbands are. And I know that it's hard for wives to be like, you know, they always talk about, I should submit and I should do this and I shouldn't be doing that. I get that, you know. But there's an authority that God gives the wife that is overlooked a huge deal. Mm-hmm. We're not there. We're not there just to be pretty, have babies, and do all that. No, God mm-hmm. called us as ministers of the gospel, just like He did the man. We are to be in partnership. That's in Genesis. Okay, come on, yeah. I need y'all to pick up those Bibles and really read this with with new eyes. We are given authority just like the man. We are to be in partnership with our husband. It should not be a power struggle. Men, submit yourselves to Christ, to God, as head of the household. You know, I I just get this thing where everybody's like, oh, it's hard for me to submit. It's hard. It It always takes a decision. It always takes a decision. No, it's not easy because of this fallen nature, but that's another conversation for another episode, but you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Do you want this to work or do you not? And I so, like, go ahead. 
I was going to say too, you know, as far as wives, you need to remind, we need to remind ourselves that submission doesn't mean oppression. Right. It means. And think about the fact that we're a team. Mm -hmm. Within a team, you can have a disagreement, but you don't fight each other. You got to remember that you're on the same team. So it's, we have a problem. How can we come together so that we can fix this problem? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Instead, there's this, no, you this and you that, or he this or she that. And it's like, the minute you find yourself speaking or thinking that way, it's time to step, take a step back. Wait wait a minute. No, it's us. We have to fix this. And even if the other person isn't willing, you have to make a decision for yourself. It's just like if, for instance, my husband currently is having back problems. He does a whole lot around the house. But when he's down, I got to take up a little bit more slack than I normally would around the household. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing spiritually, right? If your child, your spouse, or anyone in the household is sick, then you do a little bit more. Well, there's a such things called spiritual sickness and we vow for sickness in a house. So if they are, you know, you can actually say there is a spiritual problem when we're, you know, acting up. I don't care if you're a male or a female, right? right? And so again, if you're the one that is, in your right mind, we'll say, (laughs) we'll just put it that way. (laughs) You're the one right now that's thinking rationally. Well, then guess what? You're going to have to be the one to take the reins and do what it is that you got to do. So it's still for the good of the both of you, not fighting each other. Right. And just recognizing that while there is joint authority that God gives, to the husband and wife, there's also individual authority that he gives to the husband and wives. And those things are never meant to work against each other. They're always meant to work together. All things work together, (laughs) you know, not, not apart. God doesn't complement one another. You know, God doesn't do things where it will cause separation. Now I'm not saying that God calling you to do something, your spouse won't be confused. Like, you know, what's going on over here, you know, Mm -hmm. and telling you not to do pursue that thing because God is going to deal with them and deal with their heart. And that can work both ways. What I'm saying is, you know, you ain't got no business doing that. (laughs) You know, God ain't told you to do that at all, but you're going to use God and say that he did knowing that is ain't true. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to husband and wives in this sense. And, And so that kind of thing is not what I'm talking about. Like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Do things that are going to complement your spouse and make your marriage grow. Don't be out here in these streets, these marriage streets talking about, oh, God told me to do this when you know that ain't true. Right. Yes, God, God knows our heart mm-hmm. and God sees all. And you don't want to be caught up making your spouse feel some kind of way, you know, and I want to go back to that communication piece. Talk with your spouse and pray. Pray with your spouse. I get that schedules are sometimes different and you probably can't pray every day. I trust me, I get military life, the dual military life. I get it Mm because there were times where 
me and my spouse, we wouldn't see each other, even though we lived in the same house, because I would be gone when he woke up and he would be asleep when I get back or vice versa. Or, you know, deployments that he would go on or I'd be TAD somewhere. I get that. But when you can pray together via phone, via text, via email, via letter, you know, when you can do those things, do those things. Don't use it as, as an excuse. You know, people who don't live this lifestyle can probably do it every day. Don't be jealous of them. Just make it work for your situation and your marriage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just have open lines of communication, period. Um, And open. Honesty and openness is really huge. It is key. In all actuality, when we're open, we're open we're opening our heart to what we feel and what our thoughts are. And ironically, the one person we're supposed to be one with, many people aren't as open as they think they are. Are you truly telling yourself, um, well, I should say telling your spouse how you feel. Effective communication includes feelings. It includes the emotions. And women tend to think that they communicate their feelings more openly than men. And that's not necessarily true. Women talk more. (laughs) Women talk more. That doesn't mean that they're effectively communicating more. And and sometimes they say, well, I'm only trying to tell him how I feel. No, you weren't. You were telling him what he did that you didn't like. And it came off as a criticism. So therefore, he felt threatened. And when someone feels threatened, they go into defense mode. And when someone goes into defense mode, depending on the person, they do one of two things. They either retreat or retaliate. Retaliation is when they're popping back and now you're going back and forth and back and forth. Retreat is when they don't talk. And so if you have a spouse, whether you're a male or a female, if your spouse is one to not want to talk, it's because they don't feel safe doing so. They're used to being criticized. Right. And so if they feel like, you know, those who do say already know what they're going to say, or I just don't want to get into it or whatever, it's because they're used to that dialogue. They don't feel safe. So the, the key is to be open and honest yourself. And for those who think that they are, usually people aren't because we were not taught to really openly communicate our emotions because in all actuality, truth be told, people don't even identify their true emotions and their feelings for themselves. If someone, if your spouse isn't spending enough time with you, according to your expectations and standards, you never want to spend time with me is not going to cut it. So when a therapist, you know, uses that question, well, how does that make you feel is because that is very relevant. People you know, get annoyed by that question, but it's very relevant because that's what you should be communicating. I feel unloved when we don't spend time together. Your right. spouse is a lot more likely to listen to that because they do care about you and they don't want you to feel unloved. Now they hear you. They don't just hear you, they're actually listening because there's two different things. We all hear each other when we hear the words coming out of our mouth, but are they really listening? Right. They're not going to listen when they feel threatened. So the more honest and open you are with how you truly feel, it connects them to you even more. It connects that bond. The bond is stronger. And then they're more likely to open up as well. You know, that is so true. I remember 
Oh, Lord. (laughs) Real (laughs) transparent right here. I remember me and my husband were having intense fellowship. And so (laughs) he said to me, and it was just simple words, but it kind of cut, you know, and maybe because it was a little bit true, but he was like, you always want to talk, but you rarely, he said, never. He said, you never want to listen. And while that ain't true that I never want to listen, I could like translate what he was saying. You want to <laughs> talk more than you listen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how dare you say something like that to me? <laughs> you know, but like checking myself and saying, you know what, that's, pro- that's probably true. That's probably <laughs> true. And it's not like right away I was like, oh, you know what, you right. I was just like, no, I don't. And he was like, yeah, you do. And then, you know, I had to think about that. It's like, okay, Lord, if he said this, he must really feel this is true for him. And I said, Lord, show me, show me myself. And Lord, I'm I'm sorry. You know, I apologize to my spouse, but it's like, I'm sorry. Lord, show me how I can be better. But that thing cut deep. And I didn't, and like I said, throughout this episode, it's not something that I wanted to hear, but he he was vulnerable enough and transparent because it, it takes a lot of good to, to say, I don't feel like you listen to me. I feel like you want to talk to me about things that are messed up or things that I'm doing, but you're not trying to hear what I got to say. So can I defend you on that though a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> One of the reasons why it may have cut is because remember when I said many times it's just one word? There's a whole list of them that I make people aware of, but one of the ones that you just said, he used the word never. Mm -hmm. Well, when we overgeneralize and we use words like never, ever, always, the person that's hearing that is automatically going to go into defense mode because that's not true. It may be true sometimes, but never. So like if I were to tell my husband, you never help me with the dishes. The, the brain is going to go to the one time he did do the dishes. What do you mean? I did the dishes after the party that we had. And then I, and then the dialogue would be like, well, the party was two months ago. Well, you said, I never do them. I do them sometimes, but I do them every day and back and forth and back and forth all because of that one word. And so again, you feel threatened for these word choices that are used, but you were good because you still try to translate and reflect on that. Um, all, because even though, his complaint was valid. It came off as a criticism because the way he delivered the complaint. Com- complaints are valid, but criticisms are a whole different thing. They cut. Right. Yes. Right. And that's what causes that chain reaction of defensiveness and can go back and forth and back and forth. And if he had been married to somebody else, that, that communication could have went left and went a whole different route. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the goodness of God. <laughs> you know, I will say when you are keeping God at the core, even when you you are crazy, and I always say, even when you is being crazy, that's like my phrase, God can still show up and show out even in the midst of that argument. And sometimes my husband be quiet. I'm not about to sit there and like argue with myself because then I look crazy (laughs) and vice versa. He not about to sit there by himself and look crazy arguing with himself. You know, maybe he would, but I'm already gone. So I doubt it, you know? (laughs) So it's one of those things where sometimes you just gotta be quiet even in the midst of that 
when you want to say something, you want to trigger back, you want to cut them as much as they cut you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yep, exactly. Defense mode. Right. So I want to know what's, what's one phrase or one thing you would like to leave everybody with? Hmm. One thing I didn't already say. (laughs) Um, Basically this, if you're in a situation where your marriage is falling apart, although I prefer for people to start sooner rather than later, don't wait for that to happen. Know that it's part of the process. Know that, I asked this question the other day. If you knew that your marriage was about to go through the worst journey ever, and it was about to turn upside down for a few years, but then on the opposite end was going to turn out so beautiful and better than it ever was, would you bail out now or would you go through? Because sometimes it's an inevitable part of the process. But when you're in a mess, when you're in the wilderness, you can't see that. You can't see the other side. So again, your relationship is not beyond repair until you quit. Right. Now, tell everybody how they can keep in contact with you or find find you on all the platforms. So they can get in contact with me, my name, literally on social media everywhere. So that's Leslie Christea, L-E-S-L-I-E-C-R-I-S-T-E-A on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I would like to invite anybody to my Facebook community, the Home Sweet Comfort Zone, where relationships win and a house becomes a home. I am Leslie Christia, a relationship restoration and communication coach, and I help married Christian women who believe their marriage is beyond repair to love, communicate, and focus on themselves so that they can repair their love and communication to save their marriage. Awesome, awesome. And before we jump off here, everybody, I want to leave you with three things you can learn from this podcast. And number one, We said it a lot, and I'm going to keep saying it to all married couples and just people in relationships, period, are doing well on this specific topic. Communication is foundational to all relationships. I know we say it's key. It's just another way of saying it. It's foundational to every single thing you do. So if your communication is off or out of whack or just non-existent, then everything else is going to be exactly how I described. So that's number one. Number two, reconciliation is a decision, not an obligation. If you're feeling obligated to do something, you're more likely to not do it. (laughs) So, but if you're just making a righteous, I feel like decision, then you're going to be more willing to fight through and go through what you're working on with with your marriage and your relationship because I know not everybody listening to this is going to be married so but you're in some type of relationship so you have to make a decision do you want to work on this do you want to see it thrive all those things is either yes or no and you have to make that decision for yourself don't feel like you have to be obligated because if you do it from a place of obligation it's almost never going to end well 
or not go the way you expect it to go. Number three, God gave husbands and wives authority and those things are always meant to work together. They're never meant to make you bump heads, have a power struggle or go, go separate ways. They're always meant to work together and complement each other. So Leslie, I wanna thank you for coming on here. And I was so honored to have you as my guest today to share all of those gems with us and help us to get our married life and relationship life together today. So I thank you for coming on. All of you, I thank you for tuning in to this episode. And I pray that everything we shared and discussed will help you in a positive way. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you're interested in finding out more about me, the number one military marriage, family, and relationship coach, you can go to www.teresaalexis.com or connect with me on social at Teresa Alexis Speaks on IG, Facebook, and TikTok, and T Alexis Speaks on Clubhouse and Twitter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and activate notifications so you don't miss out on any new episodes that go live. I'm excited going forward by how this podcast will impact your life and cultivate a better you and a better marriage and family dynamic. Now go forth and be awesome.